All right. Well, um, as uh, JP said a minute ago, uh, this is meant to be not so much a formal presentation as it is sort of an interactive discussion. So I, I have prepared PowerPoint slides, mostly just to keep me on topic so I don't ramble too much, and also to give you guys uh, some uh, multimedia uh, multimedia fun um, as part of this uh, presentation, since we are talking about media. Um, but, uh, uh, but feel free to jump in, ask questions, you know, if something doesn't strike you as, uh, as right or if you, know, you want to discuss something or you have a question about something. So, so I, I want to open the dialogue up um, right away. So the topic of my talk is Asia at the cutting edge, and I put the question mark after it because it seems that there's, uh, there's always this assumption that Asia – uh, especially recently in the last few years, that, that, that Asian um, technology providers and Asian markets and the Asian uh, entertainment industry is, in a sense, um, at the cutting edge of technological developments, especially in digital media. Um, and uh, there's a, a quote from the CEO of uh, BBC Worldwide that uh, uh, that he gave last year at the Casbah conference, which is the cable and satellite uh, produce, uh, of Asia, whatever companies of Asia conference, um, and he said, "Today, Asia leads the world in so many aspects of digital technology. It's no exaggeration at all to say the world is now watching you, you meaning Asia, and we all have a great deal to learn from the experience." And so. You always hear people talk about this and, and talk about how Asia is at the cutting edge and how we have so much to learn from Asia in the West, but you never really hear people articulate whether Asia actually is at the cutting edge, why Asia could be considered at the cutting edge, and, and what, in fact, we do have to learn from Asia um, in its uh, uh, trials and tribulations developing um, markets for digital media. Um, if there is, in fact, anything to learn at all. So what's all the excitement about in Asia? Well, when you get right down to it, most of it seems really to revolve around this idea that Asian economies, especially Japan, South Korea, China, Taiwan, are really high-rate tech adopters. And I think a lot of this comes from sort of the stereotypical image in the West of, uh, you know, the, the, the Asian kids with all the latest gadgets, you know, and the, the Asian technophile um, mentality. And that's true to some extent. I mean, it's true that, that, that Asia tends to uh, adopt technology at a higher rate. So, um, for example, when you talk about digital media in Asia, you really see that, that, that the Asian economies have, have adopted um, digital media sort of right out of the gate. I mean, there hasn't been any lag time at all. People talk about how China essentially re leapfrogged the whole um, CD market and essentially went straight to digital. You know, Chinese, Chinese uh, uh, young people essentially had, had no qualms at all about jumping right into finding music on the Internet. Um, it just sort of instantly became second nature as soon as that stuff was was available. Uh, in South Korea, for example, I mean, a few statistics. I don't want this to become a statistical alphabet soup, this presentation, but, but I mean, just, you know, a few statistics. South Korea uh, has the highest broadband uh, adoption rate in the world at about 62% of Households and in fact, the the uh, broadband speed is is higher in Korea than it is in the U.S. Um, you know, so you have these sort of highly connected um, societies in Korea, in Japan, in China. Increasingly now, there's over 65 million broadband subscribers in China, and I believe that surpasses the U.S. Is that right? Um, um, if you draw the uh, broadband growth. Curves. Uh, 07 is where China. Is. Oh, okay, so um, it's close, and it, it's and China is definitely growing faster. Yes, yeah, because of the law of small numbers there. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, um, and and uh, the the number that gets uh, content providers really excited is the 400 million. It's an amazing number. More than 400 million mobile phone subscribers now in China alone. Um, of course, in South Korea, there's tremendous adoption. Taiwan. Well, that's 30%, uh, right? 400 million. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly. Yeah. No, nothing with India. India <laughs> um, India, you know, the thing about India is India is um, uh, certainly India is, is adopting technology at a, at a high rate, but you don't see in the, in the entertainment fields, you don't see um, uh, quite the level of the digital media adoption that you see in, in other parts of Asia yet in, in yeah, India. The, the movie industry is tremendously successful. But in terms of online, the online music space and everything, people aren't talking too much about India. They talk about, they talk mostly about, you know, South Korea, China, um, Taiwan. The wireless. Even even Japan actually is is uh, not sort of at the, if you want, to, if you will, the cutting edge of the sort of digital, um, sort of the the. the Growth in the development of the digital media markets, the online and the the, uh, the handset download markets. Now, I mean, in Japan, it's in- incredibly popular. To I think something like ninety-two percent of mu- some huge number, ninety-two percent or something of music sales now are done through handsets. Or so digital music sales are done through handsets. But actually, the market's declining in Japan overall. The overall sort of music entertainment market is is decline is on the decline. Um, is it being substituted by yeah, what's, what's something identifiable? Yeah, um, I don't know exactly what accounts for the decline, but one thing one thing uh, that's interesting is even even online piracy has never been as big an issue in Japan as it has in some other countries. One of the reasons is because in Japan, Japan's one of the few countries that legally allows you to rent uh, CDs, right? So so. Um, so people basically just rent CDs, rip them, and then you know, and they don't have to go online to 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 do the file sharing and that sort of thing. So that that sort of changes the picture in in Japan. That would still be considered a form of digital piracy. Right, 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 right. It's it, right. Large investments in bandwidth in the future. Oh, right. The result may be similar, but the actual right. Right. So in Japan, you have a baby. Japan's having declining birth rate, right? They have a bit of a baby bus. Yeah, that could be part of your market problem is that you don't have as many teenagers who, right, ringtones are not I, taking over. I think, I, think, I think really probably, I think really that that's probably part of it. And also, um, you know, you've got so many competing, competing technologies now. You've got so many things competing for the, the consumer's disposable income. So, you know, especially things like... Uh, Video game. I mean, gaming is huge, obviously, and that sort of thing in Japan. So I think separating that. You're separating games from. Uh, Yes, because I'm talking mostly about music at this point. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm actually my talk is going to be sort of biased toward music overall in this sense because. Um, because the gaming industry, I mean, that's just sort of a whole different. Yeah, but that's, it overlaps. I mean, it, it, it totally you overlaps. Can't, you can't, right? Okay. It totally overlaps. But in terms of, I mean, the gaming industry doesn't have the same kinds of problems that the content, the content industries have. So, for example, they don't. The gaming industry doesn't deal with the piracy problem for yeah, the most yeah, part. Well, well, they have. They have um, cer- certainly, certainly, they have. You know, like piracy of. CD, CD-ROMs and things of, of, of games, and, and but where the real growth in gaming is is in online gaming, and you don't see you, that's really that's really difficult to pirate, obviously, because you have central control of of, of the of the online gaming system, right? We 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 have a lot of, a lot of concerns about sort of the, the there's a, a theft of points and identities in the gaming world and being sold. And there's currencies being created to do that. That actually is a big issue. And as a forerunner, how I mean, arguably how things are going to go in other in other industries. But if you see, you see the gaming industry is a is a forerunner of where the media industry is going to go. You would argue that because the growth rates and environments been created. That's a lot of problems they're having there. You can see elsewhere. And uh, and so that creates all. So you don't think those are pretty specific to the gaming industry? I mean, things like no, because I, I think I think you're going to find other forms of entertainment are going to be created. The whole idea of creating a media, using a user to create entertainment media and share it, and then who, and then the property issues around that become 
something that's uh, is, is going to be something you can anticipate. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's where it's going to go, arguably. June the 21st? Yeah, that's right. That's solid, right? Actually, we're doing that. I mean, creating, a, the whole idea is to create create tools that allow you to create new kind of music. I mean, we're going to be, on the 21st, we're going to be doing mashup of different music. Mm-hmm. We make it license-free and have people vote on it and sign, and sign points, reputation systems, and create a, an ecosystem for great we kind of entertain them. Well, I mean, you're, all you're certainly right that there is there is a tremendous amount of, of crossover now between the two. And, and you, you certainly see, like, for example, in China now, the biggest... Um, online gaming provider uh, Shanda is basically uh, getting into the getting into the e-music business, you know, and they're 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 integrating that into their game system, and they're using sort of their massive consumer base. I think they just struck a deal with EMI Records or something to include their music in there, and I think actually sell downloads of their music through their system and that sort of thing. So, so, um, but I see that in a sense. I mean, at at this point, I'm I'm sort of I'm still looking at that as as a way for content providers to to access their audience and to you know sort of create new um, uh, new channels for distribution and that kind of thing, but but um, I don't want to throw you out, but there's the argument that you're going to have your 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 users, your members are their own content. Right, and I'll, and I'll talk about that. Okay. All right, right, exactly. It introduces another set of ownership models, distribution models. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. And how channels are created. Okay. Right. So absolutely, yeah, and I'll talk about that. Um, but uh, uh, so I think that another reason why there's sort of all this excitement around Asia is because everybody's looking for sort of the killer app, if you will, or the killer model that will um, defeat piracy, which is a huge problem in significant parts of Asia. And China, you know, China especially is really sort of the 800-pound gorilla in this sense. And, um, and so everybody is looking to the new technologies um, as a way of, of creating that magic bullet to defeat the piracy problem. So that's, I think, another reason why everybody's looking at Asia. Now, of course, you've got online piracy, you know, or if you, if you don't want to use such a, such a controversial and charged term, uh, file sharing, unauthorized downloading going on all over the world, and people are wondering, is the solution to that going to be found in, in Asia in one of the business models that sort of develops um, in Asia. So, right now, uh, along these lines, <coughs> mobile distribution is is really what people are talking about. I mean, if you want to get a major label record executive's pacemaker all in a flutter, uh, <laughs> mention 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 mobile mobile downloads uh, uh, in Asia, and 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 that gets people excited. Talk about internet downloading in Asia, and you, you're not going to get much of a. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, uh, but talk about mobile downloading, and you're going to you're going to get a response. And and one of the main reasons is that it's monetizable. It, whereas whereas online downloads, they've they've had trouble sort of figuring out a, a model that that works and and that's sustainable. But uh, but but with mobile. Um, you know, you've got this already this massive installed customer base. You know, again in China, you've got 400 million mobile users. One of, one of the big issues is you've got the secured established billing, so that um, you can essentially use the mobile phone as a surrogate for a credit card or something like that. Um, did you have a question? Yes, what's the penetration of so, uh, 3G or so where is that basically? Is 3G yeah. is is sort of in China. Is set to come online in 2007 in a big way. So it's not it's not really 3G is not a major factor there right now yet at this point. But it is like in South Korea it is. What's 3G? Oh, so 3G is like stands for third generation mobile um, mobile phone technology. So yeah, John John can probably explain it better than no, that. No, but but I there's also 3G. Post 3G and then there, it's, it's, it's quite that broadband. It's what, 384, what is it, kilobits? It's, it's, it's reasonable size because so we're doing downloads and video. Right. But then there's another version of it running quickly that's it's almost. It's 4G. It's 4G. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I think it's called 4G. It's I think like it's 3.1G, but you know. But, but, no, but it is significant in that it's close to a megabit or something like that, yeah. which then, then you're in a whole other, another game. 
Yeah. Right. And, and it becomes a whole different kind of. So then you can do platform. you can you can literally do like over the air, yeah, yeah like live. So what stuff we're doing here? I mean, it, it becomes a very different. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So especially like the video video right. producers that sort of thing, they're really excited about this, um, and uh, and they you know they view this as. Uh, you know, this is this is sort of the magic bullet they think in, in Asia mobile. Um, they think this is this is really going to uh, turn the tide because it's it's got the hip factor. It's it's something that's uh, that's that's um, they find that uh, there's a pretty high rate of interest in, pretty high rate of adoption, and and again, like I said, they can they you know it's it's you can provide a completely secure platform to the content providers. Theoretically, anyway, um, that that would allow uh, allow them to monetize, you know, these the, this uh, sort of massive uh, uh, massive market for for downloads um, and for streaming, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, is the piracy rate? I, I would think the piracy rate for mobile downloading would be almost as good if people can just um, if they can just take from peer to peer on the internet and just put it on their phone. You know, so so it is it is a problem, and mobile downloaders of you know, I mean, they're they're I mean, the the sort of the mobile providers, right? The mobile phone companies that are that are hooking up with record companies to provide download services and that kind of thing are are bemoaning this right now. I mean, they're saying this is you know, I mean, you've got to clean up the piracy market in order for us to really realize the potential. But well, you know, I mean, that's always the thing, right? I mean, uh, you know, is it the government? Is it is it the responsibility of the of the content producers themselves to sort of go out and police this stuff? But what's happened? This is why another Christian ad for the content. The identity layer is coming in, so you're you're having uh, say the Liberty Alliance and everything that, and there's going to be sort of a uniform identity layer going on the mobile platform to be the same for PC, and then you're going to have the ability to authenticate users and create different kinds of sidelines and all sorts of. Networks within networks. Right. So the question is: Is it? This is one format of trying. To, this is a technological format of trying to correct it. Well, right. it'll, it's policy too. I mean, it'll be it'll be it'll be, it'll be baked in. I mean, there's a lot behind it. For good or for ill. That's a, it's a hypothesis that it'll be baked in. Well, I mean, what, well, this, I mean, I mean I, I, you know, Microsoft is releasing it, and then I know Qualcomm's going to be going to be behind this too. And so, mm-hmm. and they, they, so there are a lot of big players who are, who are overlaying it and tying it into the whole you know, the, the financial transaction side. So I think <coughs> bet something is going to take. Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm going to move on because um, so. One of the one of the things that, uh, that 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 really is exciting to to the copyright owners is the idea of uh, how how mobile phones allow because you know there's such a kind of personal accessory now, especially in Asia. I mean they've done they've done studies now where I think you know they've asked I don't remember if it was teenagers in Korea or Japan like you know how 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 long. Can you be away from your mobile phone without feeling anxiety or something? And the average was like three minutes or something. Just, you know, I mean, it's really, it's really, it's really a part of the uh, of of the culture, and and it's a, and it's a form of expression, right? I mean, not just what phone you have, but but what you know, what your phone does when when it, when it rings or so, you know. So so, and and there's this kind of realization that music is an expression not only of the creator, but also of the audience, right? It's a form of the audience, uh, a form of expression on the audience's part as well. And you, you can identify yourself to others by the kind of music that you listen to. You know, this is this is who I identify with. You know, when my when you call me, my phone rings. Uh, you know, and it plays uh, Zeppelin, and that tells you something about me or whatever. You know, so um, uh, so ringtones are a really really important part of the revenue stream in, in Asia now. Um, and something else which began in, in South Korea and moved to, is, is huge in China now, is, is something called ring back tones, which is essentially like hold music. When you call somebody's phone, um, you know, they'll, I mean, the same thing, because you, you want to be able to express yourself to the people around you, right, by the, by the, the, uh, the track that, that's playing when, when your phone uh, rings. 
but you also want to be able to express yourself to the person who's calling you. And so the person who's calling you, instead of hearing the standard right in the phone, they hear your favorite song or whatever the biggest, you know, your favorite song that week or whatever. Um, And so you... And, and now, you know, there, there are different kinds of ringtones, right? There are master tones, which are actual actual uh, uh, samples, sample, you know, digital recordings of the songs that will play on your phone. Um, there are um, sort of the traditional ringtones, which are like monophonic tones. There are polyphonic ringtones. So there are all these ways of, for copyright owners to, um, to unbundle the copyright in their work and monetize it in, in different ways. And that's exciting to them with regard to uh, mobile phones. In fact, things like ringtones, ringback tones have accounted for the vast majority of copyright uh, owners' digital revenues in Asia, much more than, say, online downloading or even, you know, mobile downloading. I mean, it's really really about ringtones and ringback tones. Um, For the ringback tones, nobody's doing commercials, are they? It's a good question. Like you, product yeah, product like, question. Good question. Yeah. like somebody um, says, you can have free service if you play. Oh I don't know, but this is being podcast, and somebody will start doing it now. I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> you just came up with a great idea. CRTC, like six years ago, someone called me and asked me if that was legal if they could buy the airtime when someone was on hold or for the legal department. <laughs> <laughs> I should clarify, when I say it's hold music, it's not actually when somebody puts you on hold, but in fact, it's, it's just when the phone is ringing. When you're waiting so, for first. Yeah, it's literally, you call somebody's phone, and, and, a, and a song starts playing, and it'll play until they answer the phone. Um, so, the, the, this idea of ringback tones, master tones, things, they allow you to re-monetize the song over and over again in different ways. The more ways you can break it up, the more ways you can, you can think to sell the song, um, the more the more money you can make from that song. So this is just a snapshot that I um, uh, that I pulled from somebody else's PowerPoint that, uh, at a, at a uh, conference, and I meant to various. Yeah, right. I meant to uh, cite them there, but um, uh, uh, so exactly, that's exactly what it is. This is this is the digital black market right here. Um, but uh, uh, so so. Uh, in essence, this is what you can see happening in, in Korea from 2001-2007. You see the offline market is declining. That's basically the CD market. The black market for, uh, for uh, uh, digital music um, you know, sort of spiked in 2005. Uh, and, then, and then they predict that it's going to drop by two-thirds by 2007. I'm not sure where that optimism comes from, but that's, that's sort of um, this. This uh, this is a, a company involved in, in music and, and uh, music distribution and you know, telecom. So, so it might be self-serving. Yeah. This is the company involved in the blue line. Exactly, exactly. This is a blue line company. Um, it's probably called wider. So, right, exactly. So, this is. Pardon me. From where? So, it's from a company called Wider Than, which is a. This, this, these are statistics from a company called Wider Than, which is a South Korean like mobile music and mobile services provider. Um, so uh, I wanted to contrast this with this, which comes from data by Big Champagne, which is a which is a U.S.-based company that tracks online um, piracy and sort of tracks how many file shares are online at any given time. Um, and you can see since since again, this is a Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so file, file okay, so just just file sharing, but it includes illicit file sharing, right? Presumably, a big chunk of it is a list of This is a company that makes money based on how fast those lines grow. As well. yeah. Yeah. So, right. right yeah. Exactly. So a market right. analyst numbers or regression analysis. So, uh, so obviously, they have a different a different view of where things are headed. Um, now, this is this is U.S. and global numbers. So maybe the South Korean experience, the South Korean sort of. Um, uh, Future is is different, um, but this More indicates. Less piracy, that sort of 
<laughs> exactly. More broadband, less piracy. Does, isn't the time snapshot actually the same as your prior slide? This cuts off to seven five. Five, right? Right, because this is these are these are yeah. So the time there snapshot is not right, 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 right. Like in 06. That's true. Although, although what I would say because these are because they don't have an estimate, right? So, but 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 uh, uh, through they, yeah, but through through like February March two thousand six, this trend has not has not seemed to be decreasing. I mean, this trend is continuing. So anyway. I mean, I'm not trying to make too too big a point of this. I, I just wanted to sort of contrast the, uh, the the trend in South Korea versus what seems to be the trend globally, and um, and and just sort of point out that either they plan to be they, they expect to be doing something right in South Korea, or there might be something wrong with their numbers or these numbers. But but uh, uh, but but in South Korea, they're really bullish. Okay, about the digital music market, and a lot of this is ringback tones, master tones, that that kind of thing. It's not necessarily online, sort of, you know, iTunes-style a la carte downloading. So I want to shift the focus a little bit for a minute to, to China, um, because in China you have severe online piracy. Um, essentially, you basically have a situation where you know, whenever you want to find any track you want, you don't even really need to. I mean, there there are peer-to-peer networks and that sort of thing, but you don't even need to to bother with those. You can actually just type into your favorite search engine, favorite Chinese search engine, the name of your the song you want or the artist you want, and it'll provide you with links to thousands of links to um, to uh, unauthorized copies of the file. And so the the big search engines are really sort of the the bane of the content owners in in China. So how right now, since I'm sort of talking about digital media and Asia at the cutting edge, um, in China, sort of everybody is really focusing, looking at China because of the severe piracy problem. People are, are uh, watching with keen interest how China is, is developing its content industries in order to, to navigate these, these uh, treacherous waters and, um, and, and come up with uh, potentially a solution to online piracy. So I thought I'd look at a couple of, if you want to call them case studies or whatever, a couple of um, companies that are taking a, an in-stride, uh, all-in-stride kind of approach to online piracy and figuring out ways to build successful business models around that. And one is uh, Taifa Rai Music, which is uh, uh, one of the most successful domestic Chinese labels. It's a fairly new label, but um, but they basically went straight to digital. Um, they do produce CDs, but even the, the 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 president of the company will will basically tell you that CDs are are essentially promotional tools. They're basically souvenirs for the artist. Um, you know, the the action is in is in digital, and the action is in mobile. Um, but uh, uh, essentially, they um, th- sort of their business strategy is uh, some of these these uh, these points. They they'll only sell music from the most popular singers. They strike a deal with the search engines that I just mentioned. Um, essentially, what they they do with say Baidu, which is one of the the, the which is China's biggest search engine and also probably the biggest offender in terms of online. Um, providing these unauthorized links, they basically strike a deal with them and they say, look, we'll give, you know, please just give us a two-week head start. Uh, Make sure that there are no unauthorized links to a new release for the first two weeks of the release and any links you provide should be basically send people to our website and then after two weeks, you know, uh, there's not much we can do. You know, you can, I mean, do do what you've got to do because, uh, the truth is that these search engines, a huge percentage, somewhere between 20 and 40 percent of their of their traffic is uh, people basically looking for MP3 downloads, and for the most part, unauthorized MP3 downloads. And so these, you know, these the Chinese music companies are realistic. They realize they're not going to, you know, these 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 search engines are not going to shut these links down because they're going to they basically be committing suicide. I mean, they'd be cutting out. 20 to 40 percent of their of their traffic, um, and of course they you know if Baidu the major Chinese search engine were to do that, they'd just be opening the door for Alibaba or Sohu.com or any of the other big Chinese search engines 
to basically come in and take up, pick up the slack, um, take up that traffic. And so unless they all do it, unless they all shut down all links, it's just not going to end up um, benefiting copyright owners in the long run. So basically the copyright owners are are you know striking deals with them and saying, look, give us some lead time. Uh, you know the song it really has a shelf life of two weeks for the most part in China, and so um, you know we'll you know just give us that give us that two week lead time and we'll uh, uh, you know we'll leave you alone. Sure. So Baidu was sued and uh, in China, in China, and lost in the initial um, in the initial. Proceeding right, so in the in the in the uh, the lowest level court, and they um, uh, it's being appealed now, but but they basically lost. But you know, in China, the thing is that that the the penalties. I mean, you know, it's basically they can just write it write it off as the cost of doing business. I mean, right now they just raised the penalties for online piracy. There was just a new regulation that came out within the last couple of days, and it's like twelve twelve thousand dollars U.S. Um, administrative fine. If you you know now in the in the in the lawsuit it's different. It's not an administrative fine, but it's it's not anything that that a company like Baidu is really going to be worried about. I mean, it makes more sense. You know, and the thing is, they're they're backed in a corner. I mean, because they need the search traffic in order to to survive, basically, um, and the copyright owners aren't giving them any. Any leeway. So, I mean, Baidu, for example, has 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 gone to the major record companies and said, you know, look, we'll we'll cut you in on on part of our search revenue. You know, we'll pay you X number of million millions of dollars per year, um, and and uh, uh, you know, the 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 major record companies told them to go fly a kite. You know, I mean, they they wouldn't have any part of that, and um, you know, that's uh, you know, that's sort of the kind of thinking that. I think if you know if people want to really have a viable business in China, if you want to have a viable music business in China, you you know I mean people are going to have to start thinking about things like that, deals like that as new ways of generating revenue and substantial revenue at that. Kind of interesting. One of the arguments, sort of against very strict copyright enforcement here, is that well, free distribution creates buzz. And you have a leading buzz period, and then people will buy it uh, just because of market inertia. They'll buy it some for some reason. Whereas this is saying the exact opposite: that you're going to get a very front-heavy revenue model. Uh, now, is that because they're very different forms? How do you get people interested in the song in the first place? That's a great point. I mean, you know, um, and it is true. I'll talk about it in a minute. How I mean, in China, more than just about anywhere else, I mean, artists. Artists have really been able to ride the wave of piracy and, and do very, very well. Uh, the, the, the record companies have not, but, but the artists have, have, have uh, you know, there are a lot of artists who've, who've, who've really benefited from uh, both physical piracy and online piracy. Um, so, by gaining revenue through live performances? Exactly. So they, they you know, and, and, and actually record companies, I mean, that's sort of my, one of my bullet points here, is this idea of, um, uh, bundling music products with services, you know, I mean that's how record companies and especially artists in, in China really make make money is they through through live performances, through product promotions, through deals with online gaming companies, things like that. But doesn't that change the equation and then the bargaining prices the artists go up? I mean, that's the problem. It does. And, and, it does. And, and, and in fact, right. and in fact, artists in China have basically their their artists have said. What do I need a record company for? You know, I'm I'm just going to go straight to these online digital providers. That or I mean, and, and that's true here as well as there, except they're more entrenched interests here. So I mean, that just strikes me as if you want to see whether the wind's blowing. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And and in fact, uh, I was at a music business conference in Hong Kong several weeks ago, and there was a, a famous uh, uh, Hong Kong artist um, named Edison Chen, who's who did just that. I mean, he left his major label. Uh, record company and just started putting his music online for free and he's and he said he's never been more successful and he's never been happier because and he's a major artist there now he controls his artistic decisions now he controls um, you know all the money comes to him he can decide who you know who he, he cuts uh, uh, promotional deals with and things like that and that's where he makes a lot of his money through live performances right. through promotional deals and basically gives music away so Yeah, uh, you know that that's it's definitely happening more and more. One of the interesting things too is 
what you find is with these record companies like Taiha, one of the one of the uh, one of the things that they do, which is different from say U.S. based or, or the big transnational record companies, is that they when when they sign an artist, they sign them to basically do everything. They sign them as their manager. They sign them as their music publisher. They sign them as their record company. They, you know, they basically go into sort of a, a full-fledged partnership with the artist and say, look, we're going to, you know, we're in this together. We're going to, you know, we're going to, uh, uh, you know, make money any way we can, and we're going to make money together. Now, one of the, one of the interesting and I think positive um, uh, sort of results that come, or, or, or um, uh, uh, aspects of that is that they one of the things that allows them to do is they own all the rights in house. Unlike in the U.S., where you have one publishing company that owns right. the rights to songs, and uh, you know a record company that owns the rights to the recording, and all makes licensing a nightmare, especially in the digital world. Well, these companies, you know, they you know they're they're lean and mean. I mean, they can they can license thing and things in five minutes over the phone because they own all the rights to everything. They can you know, and it really I mean that in a way really benefits the artists. I mean, if you if you want to talk about where. The cutting edges in Asia, where where things are heading. I mean, I think that's one of the things that 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 Western entertainment companies really have to learn is that you need to um, you need to consolidate, keep the rights more consolidated, and you need to be you know more lean and mean in terms of how you license your rights, be more aggressive about about you know about um, about licensing them. You've got but then the, the, the torpedo, though, so the whole Western model, mental it's the whole idea of life. I mean. This is right as a judge. I'm not sure that they can really adapt to that and be what they are. They're going to have to, in my view. But or something you know, else. <laughs> well, it, I mean, displacement. Right. I mean, it's going to be. You know, it's a it's a disruption. Right. But but I mean, that's the thing. You know, people people will talk about in in Asia how you know it can take weeks or months to 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 get you know to get the 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 license for you know for for a digital download and and you know when you deal with when you deal with the majors, but then when you deal with the domestic labels, you can get them over the phone in five minutes. From a whole policy point of view, I mean, you have the sort of U.S. taking positions on what's privacy and what's property and, that, and, and feeling they're having to protect an industry. So you're really protecting a whole a certain manifestation. Right. It's very archaic. And from an industrial policy, it shouldn't be supported. Exactly. This is, this is a more efficient model. It's a, it's, it's a very... And it's very real. It's not a model that can coexist with a right. set of artists. It's going to create more value. And it's more equitable. Are there any Western artists who are wanting to go with them instead? I don't think they sign Western artists. No, they might they might distribute some Western artists for like major labels or something, but I don't think... I think they just sign Chinese artists. And... Um, and uh, uh, and as they said, they're really you know it's really focused on the the hit the hit stuff. I mean these are that's one one issue. These are hit factories, and that's how they make their money. I mean these are not you know they're, they're, there's not a lot of experimental stuff going on at these companies in terms from an artistic standpoint. Is this just China, or are you going to see this? Is, is, brought, is this model being replicated, imitated? Throughout? This is. I mean this is. Uh, the, the, uh, in, in South Korea, I'm, I'm less familiar with the business models of the record companies in South Korea, but but uh, uh, but uh, uh, I think that they're 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 closer to this, but they're but they're not quite they're not quite here. Um, whereas in Japan, you have more sort of the traditional Western style, um, you know, uh, record companies. Although you know the, the I mean the newer companies are all are all they're they're kind of getting it and they're changing. Um, but uh, so another example is uh, this company called Jingwen, which is the second largest record company, domestic label in China. And basically, they uh, one of the things that they're really doing is they're really taking advantage of John. You were talking a little bit ago about about consumer created content, right? Well, they they basically put up a website, their website, um, and their web portal invites um, you know invites anybody to to upload their content. Um, and sort of create a community around it, but but think about it. I mean, because this is like a this is like a major Chinese record label. Think about from a business model standpoint. Think about if EMI or Warner Brothers were to were to start a web portal and basically say, "Hey, bands, artists, whatever, upload your content, and we'll you know and 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 we'll you know we'll make it available to everybody online, and the artists that that get the the, the top downloads, sort of the the best." 
artists online will sign you to a record deal because that's what this this company does. Well, MySpace. I mean, well, MySpace. Exactly. It's moving that direction. Where is that direction? I mean, but but MySpace. You know, the 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 difference with MySpace is, you know, MySpace basically started as like a community portal, right. and then and then people were like, hey, we can use it to promote our music, and um, and so you know, it, it, it kind of. But now it is a distribution channel for music. But now it is a distribution and, 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 channel. Yeah, that's very self-consciously. Exactly. But, and a creator. Okay. But you know, and it's very and and when you think about who could compete with MySpace, it's. It's hard to imagine anyone really being able to compete with MySpace because that's where everyone is. But if anyone could, could you imagine, though, if, like, you know, Warner Brothers or EMI or somebody basically put up a music, you know, just with that branding power and basically put up a that's music portal? Well, and so is that their revenue model? I mean, in a sense, it's kind of like an online American Idol, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, like, it's you know, put, upload lots and lots of music and, uh, and, and, and the most popular stuff will sign to a record deal, you know. Um, it's sort of, it, and it's a way for us to, to, to do our artist and repertoire work. It's a way for us to uh, sift out the, uh, the, 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 the outstanding, you know, artists. And they have, as it says here, catalog of over 20,000 user-submitted songs. I mean, that's also, from their standpoint, that's a huge, because basically people are providing them with a license to, you know, to distribute 20,000 songs, and they've come to, you know, uh, as JP mentioned earlier, um, I'm working on the DMX project, um, which is a, a, a Berkman-initiated project where we're um, uh, basically looking to uh, set up in, in lots of territories around the world um, a, uh, uh, a legalized peer-to-peer -peer distribution um, system, subscription-based distribution system for digital content. And basically, Jingwen approached us and said, look, we've got all this content. You know, is this something you might be interested in? Um, so, you know, this is, this is a, kind of a tremendous uh, potential revenue generator for them. They've, you know, it's this huge catalog of songs. Um, so, I mentioned user-created content. This is... Uh, This is a phenomenon in China. I'm going to sort of scroll through a few different... Uh, here as well. And here as well. Okay, so people... All right, so I didn't realize people are familiar with... But uh, so these guys are basically, you know, a couple of uh, college kids, including the guy playing Doom in the background, who is, who's a member of the band, and all he does is play Doom in the background. But, um, but uh, uh, you know, these guys, they basically just, you know... Did, filmed this with their webcam, uploaded it online, became an overnight sensation in China. Uh, no, but Motorola is. And Motorola signed them on as, as spokespeople because Motorola basically said, hey, look, you know, they, you know, this is what kids are into. This is how we can connect to the young, young people. So, you know, and it's related to music and pop culture and everything. So we can promote not only our phones, but Motorola has a, has a music distribution system in China. Basically, they have their own version of iTunes, and they, they use these guys to, to promote that. Okay, so that's one example of user-created content. Like I said, that's basically a phenomenon. So here's another example. Um, this is an artist named uh, Xiang Xiang, and she was an internet artist. She was basically just discovered by putting her music up on the internet, um, and she, she posted this song, which is called Song of Pig. Jujurga in Chinese. So this song actually was, has been allegedly downloaded over a billion times which may make it the most downloaded song in history, I don't know. But those are the lyrics, obviously. Very popular. Yeah. It's a phenomenal, I mean, it was phenomenally successful. 
successful, phenomenally popular. So, that it's not. That it is not. Um, it's it's essentially. No, I mean it's a catchy melody. You know, it's it's cutesy lyrics. You know, that young people, kids like, young teenage girls like, right? You know, I mean, and and so and and but but this, she became popular essentially by. I mean, she, I think she wrote this song herself. Basically, up you know, sort of did a little MIDI studio version of it, uploaded it online, um, and it became in, in, enormously popular essentially overnight. And then she uh, she uh, signed a deal with with a production company in Beijing, um, put out a legitimate copy, uh, you know, or like a you know a CD, produced it like a legitimate produced CD copy, um, and it sold close to a million copies, legitimate copies. Probably millions and millions more uh, pirated copies. So you know, it's exactly you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I think that I think that I mean I think that so for example, like this version is sort of the the post-label produced version. So, you know, I'm, I haven't actually heard her original version, but I suspect it just didn't have the, the you know, the excitement of the, you know, of the, the, the choral la-las in the background and all that sort of thing, you know, that, that you get from the professional production. Um, and I think that's where labels, I actually think that in the future you're going to see more, it's going to be, online is going to be a boon for, for record producers who can disassociate themselves more from labels basically and 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 sign artists or act as hired guns guns for artists produce this kind of version of the artist's song and then it's very different getting your marketing piece but the justification of the marketing discovering the artist and marketing packing the artist and deals and, they, and this is that really that, that value exactly so exactly I don't see how that business model works anymore exactly I, I, I agree, and that's, again, I, where I think that, you know... And again, I mean, in, in, in the U.S., you have, like, user-created content that's being put online and that sort of thing, but, but I don't think you've had anything where that's, that, that's had the phenomenal success of these. I mean, these are, you know, I mean, a billion downloads. That's incredible. And this, uh, this, is, has, this also was a phenomenon with uh, young people in, in China. This, uh, this guy, Hu Ge, who's a, uh, uh, basically he's a, he's a musician and, like, an audio... Uh, equipment salesman from Shanghai who watched, uh, who went and saw Chen Kaige. Chen Kaige is the director of like Farewell My Concubine. He went and watched his uh, uh, latest movie, The Promise, um, and was you thought it was really crummy and was really disappointed in it. And so he basically went home on his PC, used editing software and a pirated copy of the of the movie, pirated DVD of the movie, um, and made his own. Um, you know, uh, uh, mashup exactly. Uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, a spoof, uh, not really a spoof of the movie, but just used footage from the movie to create a um, a uh, uh, you know his own his own satire. So. And and essentially, you know, and, and this is incredibly popular among young Chinese and one of the main reasons is because uh, you know this this I think this really signals sort of the 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 advent of an alternative media in China because this was not you know you have the traditional state state run state approved media right in China but this is user created content that wasn't state approved it was just posted online um, and and it uh, uh, and it, it effectively is uh, uh, you know it, it fills a need that doesn't exist. There's no there's no really like Saturday Night Live in China or something. You know nothing that would poke fun at these kind of guys. The government you know sort of approved news commentators and things. Where and, and so you know this guy exactly. I mean this is this is like. The Daily Show meets Monty Python or something, and, there, and, and it fills a need in China that, that the state-run media hasn't been supplying. 
So I actually think the kind of I actually think this more than more than any thus far more than any sort of user created content this movie has the most kind of um, long term sort of if you want if you want subversive or 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 just um, sort of generative um, capability in this what's that yeah exactly if I want to use a Use a Zitrain, Zitrain phrase. But uh, so, so essentially, I mean, we obviously won't watch the whole thing. But essentially, he took this this serious movie, The Promise, and turned it into a story about a uh, a guy. You know, he talks about how he this guy owns like a owns like a small time rec center, and his wife is kind of she's like a stripper, and they you know the 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 owner of the rec center gets killed by a local county clerk. Over a over a steamed bun, and then and then the thing gets you know gets crazy and sort of Monty Python esque and it's you know and uh, and 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 again Chinese people find it hilarious because it keeps sort of reverting back to you know this uh, uh, you know this news announcer who's telling the story you know it's sort of like this investigative re- reporting and you know and then he, he uses clips from the movie and and, and actually like uh, uh, turns them into ads and the, you know so like the, the the reporting will break and turn into an ad and then you know and then uh, 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 you know, it's 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 funny stuff and it and it um, and it certainly has uh, has captured the imagination of the of the uh, Chinese populace so Right, so so Chen Kai Ge, the director of this movie, actually sued, actually sued, the creator of this. Um, or well, I don't know. Did he actually sue? Has he sued him? He threatened to sue him, and there was a huge in the blogosphere in China. There was this huge uproar, and people said, "Oh, you know, you know, get a sense of humor, Kai Ge. You know, I mean, this is you know, this is ridiculous. The guy just, you know, he made a funny movie. It's better than yours." Calm down. Even apparently, even Chen Kaiga's wife, like or ex-wife, kind of came out and said, "Yeah, calm down. You know, it's not that big of a deal." Um, but uh, right. So, um, but I don't know if the lawsuit actually happened. And it's and it's and it's really unclear if if if, if Huga is sued. It's really unclear whether he would win under Chinese law because you know there the there there really has never been a lawsuit. To to establish whether parody is a form is 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 a form of fair use or not in in whether there's a fair use parody defense in China. So um, so anyway, just to kind of wrap up, I just want to talk about briefly sort of if 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 Asia is at the cutting digital cutting edge, how is it at the digital cutting edge? Well, for one thing, I talked about unbundling of digital rights when I talked about ringtones and mastertones and things like that. Unbundling of digital rights is one way in which uh, uh, I think that that uh, you could say that uh, Asia is ahead of maybe the rest of the world in terms of its realization of how how digital works can be monetized. Right. Um, second, uh, the blurring of the line between content creator and consumer. Um, I think that this has happened more in in China than probably anywhere else in the world, um, and uh, and China is really just gaga over content uh, creator uh, or consumer created content. Rather, I mean, you saw the the videos and the, and the music music examples that I just gave. There are there are many more. There's a there's a, probably the most popular song in China over the last. Several years is a song called "Mice Love Rice," which was again an internet song. Um, you know, a lot. I think more than at least fifty percent of the most popular artists in China now got their start as undiscovered artists on the internet. I mean, that's amazing. There's no. I don't think there's any other country that can that can claim that. Blogs are huge in China. There's. I think there's over thirty million personal blogs now in China. They expect by the end of 2007, there will be somewhere around 60 million. So there's this tremendous sort of rush of, 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 of consumer-created content. Um, of course, you know, there are, there are the, the governmental controls and the censorship issues involved with that, and that, that creates kind of a whole, a whole other ball of wax that I don't really have time to get into now, but that's that's obviously that's part of the picture, but but I think in a way it also drives this need for consumer-created content 
for the reasons that Huga's video was so popular. It, it, it creates, you know, the sort of um, more stringent government controls on on um, media really create a need for uh, an underground alternative media, which is not really so underground anymore. It's really, I mean, Huga is more popular than probably just about anybody in the you know, state-run media because in sort of the traditional media um, because of, because, he, you know, he, he actually speaks to um, uh, uh, a, he speaks to experiences that aren't addressed adequately in the sort of state-run media. So how would you, how would you characterize the new business model that's coming out on media that's coming out of China? I mean, how do, how, I mean, how do, you, how do you make money? And, and, and user-generated content, and what kind of rights do you need? Well, I think like, like, like what you were talking about, uh, you know, just the idea that the creator ha- is much more empowered in this sense. And, and I think in China there's sort of this approach that, you know, if you, if you get attention, if you're popular, um, you know, you, the money will come, right? I mean, if you... If, if you if, if you have created something that that is, you know... Um, you have the right to do that. I mean, it's, it's more enlightened than we have here. What's that? It's more enlightened than we have here. In terms of... of right, well, okay. well, I mean, it's, more you know, there's much more... So, like that, that Jingwen record company I just, I mentioned, that has the, you know, the web portal that allows you to upload your music, and it kind of that music then sort of becomes part of the Jingwen family, right, of, of, of artists and, and, and that kind of thing. It's sort of opening the doors and saying, look, we want, we want all your stuff. You know, we don't want to just control the distribution channels. We want to, you know, we want to, we want to connect more closely with not only the creators but with the, the consumers of, of content. Um, and that's why, you know, why I said sort of like in the, in, in the West, um, you know that you know it'd be incredible to see a company like Warner Brothers or EMI or something um, sort of do the same thing and open their doors and say, "Look, you know, upload your music and, and become part of the Warner Brothers family." Is that a is that an established record label that already had? Yes, it's yes, it's one. Of, it's the the second largest record company in China traditionally. They're they're the biggest pop and rock domestic Chinese label. Because one of the big criticisms that I understand of moving. From physical to online is that the existing companies don't have the same uh, respect or brand, and they almost the, it gives the opportunity for newer companies to establish street cred. Um, I think about it in the broadcasting context, like a CBS.com isn't going to have the same clout as um, well. I don't know, YouTube's not as big as C- CBS, but there's more opportunity for um, new cooler companies. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in, in a sense, that's why actually they brand their web portal as kook.com, not as Jingwen, you know, uploads.com or something, right? So, so, but but the fact that it's part of the same family, I think, gives it a tremendous amount of of credibility. You know, I, I, my point is just if you know if if one of the majors were to do that, say in the U.S., were to do something like that, I mean, you. Can you imagine how how quickly they would have, you know, hundreds of thousands of bands and artists and things uploading their music there just because of the brand recognition of you know that people want to be associated with with um, those those brands. Although you're right, they could they probably would want to sort of spin it with an off offshoot label or something that was that had a, that had a you know a, 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 a you know a hipper a hipper vibe. You know, less of a less of an old media vibe to it. Um, yeah. Am I get you right here saying that the linchpin, the difference between the U.S. companies and the Asian companies, are basically giving up on piracy? It's essentially, just we can't buy piracy. So well, what do we do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not sure I would say giving up because I don't think any of them have actually given up. But I think that they recognize the realities of the marketplace and they're and they're able to adapt. And sort of work within those realities. What, what does DRM look like in Asia? I don't know. Um, so, for example, I mean the, the the you know the online music, you know, because there are sort of iTunes type, a la carte online music download stores in China and Hong Kong and 
throughout Asia, and, and um, they pretty much all use Windows, you know, Windows Media DRM. So they use, you know, they use DRM, um, but uh, I think Motorola on their online store, they have like a proprietary Motorola DRM because they want to lock you to the Motorola phones, right? Um, but uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, DRM is there, but it's like anywhere else. It doesn't really, it doesn't really do much, and it's not a very compelling business model because, you know, basing your hopes for a future business model on how much you can restrict and limit your customer's ability to do the things they want to do is not a very, that, that, that wouldn't be a, you know, a sales pitch that I would invest in, you know. Um, but, uh, right, I mean, so, um, uh, so that's the point I'm making here about flexibility and adaptability in business models, this idea that, you know, you go you go to multiple revenue sources for your you know for your revenue. You don't just rely on on the revenue you can make through distribution music, but you rely on revenue you can make through live performances. You know you partner with the artist um, and uh, and you um, you uh, become uh, you know essentially a a, a wide, sort of a broader um, pers- you know you have a broader perspective on what your role is in the entertainment industry. You know you become a a jack of all trades. Um, uh, so, how's uh, again? So, some some other ways uh, that, that Asia is at the digital cutting edge. Um, uh, monetize the consumer expression factor, um, especially in sort of again, like I talked about ringtones, ringback tones, but also in you know up up you know the the. Encouraging um, the creation of user content and 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 sort of monetizing that that user content, picking the best user created content and 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 figuring out a way to uh, to market it even in 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 uh, in the face of, of piracy. Um, so so there there you go, John. The convergence with other forms of online entertainment like gaming, um, sort of being really aggressive and innovative in terms of how you. Market your 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 music and 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 and, uh, and uh, generate revenues. Um, so you should go to one forty-five. Oh, okay. So. Do you take a few last questions, or do you want to have a chance to wrap up yourself? I'll I'll just I'll just wrap up real quickly, and then if people have questions, we can talk sort of informally afterward. Um, so. Uh, like, like uh, we talked about artists taking more control, moving straight to the deals with, um, with distributors. Um, you know, this is, this is another sort of way that I think Asia is really leading the pack in, in, in setting the standard in terms of where, where things are, are headed. Um, and then when I say cultivating the hardcores, what I mean essentially is that um, what you want to do is recognize that, yeah, okay, piracy is out there, it's widespread, but there are, you know, if you can if you can cultivate sort of a hardcore fan or a a, 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 a reasonable, you know, reasonably sized percentage of the market that is willing to pay for the product, then you can you can actually build a sustainable business model on those people. Now, for example, I mentioned uh, Taihu, the company that signed. Uh, oh well, I had the picture there. That was the the I forgot to mention she was the the. American Idol of China, you know, and they basically signed her. But uh, essentially, what what they are, you know, what 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 they look how, how they look at it is they figure at best we can probably get about a third of our consumers, of our young digital digital, you know, consumers, netizens, to pay for content. We're not we're never going to get the other sixty six percent to pay for it. But we can build a business model off those one third. They're the ones who want the. The, the value ads. They're the ones who want the, the the digital jacket included with the song, or they want the lyrics, or they want to enter contests that 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 you know will maybe allow them to spend a weekend with their favorite artist or something like that. Well, you, you, you're, you're describing a long tail open source business model, and, and, and you'd see it. And, and I mean, you look at Red Hat, what they do, and in fact, is a certain percentage of people <coughs> have a service and they have a support and the amenities. Right. And, exactly. And you can reach that 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 segment. That, Business, right? yeah. One concern with these business models, though, is that um, 
like I said, it's uh, extremely hit-centric. I mentioned that before. And when you talk about long tail, actually, in this case, long tail, the, the, the long tail is left on the table um, in, in the sense that the artists, you know, are, you know, I mean, you have this sort of two-week window, and then you never promote the, the, the music again for the most part because you're, you're sort of always going for the latest um, you know, music that so, you can promote. So the question I have is, what does happen in the long tail? You've been uh, you've been talking about the tall head the whole time, right. and uh, John exactly. correctly observes that that there is a long tail business model out here. Um, I heard Reed Hastings the, at a Netflix give a really interesting talk that were um, he said that the um, movies that are in the long tail um, are accounting now that he's got the Netflix model and shelf space isn't an issue um, he's able to have an essentially infinite catalog and he's finding that that the long tail is getting fatter that people are renting a larger proportion of unpopular movies so the question begs um, what happens what happens out in the long tail? Inherently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's a it's a it, right now it's a rhetorical question in at least with with regard to China. What happens with the long tail? I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe this is maybe 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 it's the opportunity for the artists to step up, break away from from the labels, and say, look, I've got this whole catalog of of tunes, and, and I've got I've got fans who, who want to support me. With them and uh, and and you know I'm going to go out and promote that myself. So I, maybe, maybe that's. And China is a very long tail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's that's yes exactly yeah. exactly. We're talking about essentially. Oh, sorry. Um, so it's okay. Let's wrap up. Some people can come and um, and then uh, stick around and ask the sure. So Eric, thank you so much.